Brandon Cutler here from AEW, and I hope you guys have an awesome podcast with the Monster Cast. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross App Fightful here. You're watching the Monster Cast with Jack and Ryan. A big shout out to those fellas. Good people. Check them out. Your host of the Monster Cast, the Straight Edge Monster Jack and Ryan. So, Elimination Chamber review. We're going to go through all five matches. We're going to start off with the Women's Elimination Chamber match, where Oscar defeated Carmelo, Liv Morgan, and Natalia, Nikki Cross, and Raquel Rodriguez in an Elimination Chamber match for the uh, number one contendership to go against Bianca Belair for the WWE Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania 39. Um, what did you think of this match? We obviously both picked Asuka, so we got that right. So we thought that was the right call. What did you think of it going in, and what was up with the times? The match was only 19 minutes and 30 seconds, but uh, they, they're supposed to be five-minute intervals. Did you did you catch that at all? Or like, what, what do you think was going on there? And did you, I mean, obviously we think Oscar was the right call, but who do, who else do you think stood out in that match? So the time thing, uh, leading up to the match, Michael Cole, when he's introducing the concept of the match, he actually says um, a few minutes in between. So I, don't, I think they've come off the five minute thing, and I don't even think they were consistent times in between them. I, I really think now they're just doing it based on the booking of the match. So like, it's going to be an inconsistent time between when people come in, because it's supposed to be relatively even, but it's clearly not. It wasn't in the men's either. Um, I think if we went back with a stopwatch and counted, it was probably like two and a half minutes here, three and a half minutes there, four minutes here. Like, there's no consistency to it anymore. That's why they don't have a countdown. They can still do a countdown. They could do it the exact same way and then put up a countdown for the 10 seconds, which is what the flashing light thing is supposed to be, I guess. But, like, there's no there's no hard rule about the five-minute thing anymore, clearly, because this was not that at all. Um, yeah, we both wanted... I, I think we both wanted Asuka to win, so we both picked her to win. But also, just nobody else in the match made sense to win. Like, if you look at who who else in that match would have made sense going against Bianca at WrestleMania, who's going to draw at all? It's not going to be Nikki Cross. It's not going to be Carmella. It's not going to be Liv Morgan. Um, Natalia, it's not in Canada, so not that either. Um, and then Raquel, unless they're really trying to build her up as a character and give her some kind of legitimacy and, and give Bianca a match like where it's like, powerhouse versus powerhouse or whatever it wouldn't make sense to do that either and she doesn't i don't know what the fuck her character's supposed to be like i get that she's like she's hispanic and lift weights is the most that i've gotten out of her character which doesn't really work um because she's not that big like she's not i mean she's not small but she, she's tall but weightlifting wise if you're gonna make your whole gimmick about that i feel like you can't just do a lat spread and look like you lift sometimes and be like relatively like, it doesn't work. Not, Not when the other WrestleMania in... matches Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte. And Rhea yeah. Ripley is bigger than you, yeah. Or even, like, on this show, Beth Phoenix looks bigger than you, too. She's not taller, but she looks, like, thicker, wider, stronger. It just, I don't, I don't get her, what her thing is. And in a match where everybody else in the match had a gimmick, it really stood out to me as, like, almost like a generic creator wrestler like, stuck in the middle of these people who have established characters. Now, granted, she hasn't been there as long as everybody else either, 
Um, but they've got to do something with that. She needs. If more. you wanted to make her look like she was a beast, wouldn't it have been more sense to have Piper Niven in that match and have her, have her slam her at some point in that match or something to really give off that effect? Yeah, something like that. But even like when she, you know, she does that lat spread on the ramp or whatever, and like the girl that I dated for years who was not like a, she wasn't like a fucking power lifter or anything like that. She lifted, she worked out a lot, but she had a wider lat spread than that. So it's just very weird to me that that's what they're building her character around. I don't get it. Um, yeah. And then the other thing was like, and clearly that's what they're kind of going for anyway, because Carmilla kept mentioning her back on SmackDown. Yeah. Oh, yeah we got a big back. We, uh, congratulations. Uh, but like, I mean, she probably, it's probably a situation where she looks smaller on TV than she actually is in real life too. Let's go yeah, ahead and say this. That. that could be a thing too. Cause that's, that's the thing that everybody says about Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn yeah. is huge in real life and nobody really can tell on TV. Um, unless he's in there with smaller guys, obviously. Anyway, right. bigger, but... Uh, what, how do you think uh, Liv Morgan, Carmella, Natalia, Nikki Cross came off in this match? As kind of... Kind of like I expected them to, honestly. I thought the... I thought Liv Morgan had a couple cool spots. I think the Sunset Flip Powerbomb on Raquel was pretty cool from the top of the pod or wherever it was. Um... The way that she got eliminated, I didn't like. I thought they do this thing too much where it's like you can't tap out. All, it looks bad all, to tap out. Yeah, all faces have the heart of a lion. Yeah, it's so stupid. And the facials that she did during it was like she was enjoying it and then fell asleep. Like it didn't work for me. I didn't like it. Um, I feel like if you're in a submission for like a minute and a half, that is Natalia's finisher. That's her finishing submission. And you're fighting it and fighting it and fighting it. That part's fine. I'm cool with that. I don't know where she was crawling because I don't think there's rope breaks in a fucking elimination chamber. So her crawling to the rope didn't make any sense. But ignoring that, then you have Asuka come in and, and put on a hold on top of that hold. To sit there and act like you're too too strong, too determined to fucking tap out at that point is really dumb to me. I don't like that. I wish I'd stop doing it. Make the tap outs mean something. It would have meant something here. You've got two of like somebody's using their finisher and then one of the best wrestlers also putting a second submission on you both working the same like part of your body it's okay to tap out you don't have to do that uh, and then fall asleep thing it doesn't work for me i didn't like it uh the uh, um, they, uh, i don't think there's rope breaks either but if you get to the rope you might be able to leverage leverage out, out of it yeah yeah exactly i guess but yeah that it just i didn't like it i i thought that the doing that doing that elimination that way didn't work for me should have just had her tap. It would have been totally fine. Um, everything else was pretty cool. I, I didn't really have a problem with too much. Uh, I the Okay, you know what I did have a problem with? Carmella hitting one super kick on Natalia, and then that being enough to take Natalia out. I wasn't crazy about. Because it's not like Natalia took a lot of other damage in the match before that happened. I mean, she was in first, but it wasn't like she got super fucked up by a bunch of finishers or anything like that. Before. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. I, I don't know how I felt about that. That was a little weird to me. I think she could have maybe kicked out of that one and then taken another finisher from someone else and then gotten put out. I, I would have liked that a little bit more. So, Other than that, like the, I, I did like the Rodriguez spot where she ran Nikki Cross through the plexiglass. That was pretty cool. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, like we don't. I don't know her character either, dude. Like I don't get it. Um, I thought she lasted longer than she should have. I think Natalia should have lasted longer than Rodriguez did, but I get what they're doing, I guess, because Natalia is up there. But Natalia's also still in Montreal and a workhorse and just a safer option going forward in that match. Like, 
yeah. less of a chance of something getting completely fucked because she's also a ring general and something if somebody loses their way she can help them um well, i think so that was out like what like a minute after Natalia anyway so it wasn't too big of a problem but still yeah i didn't like it uh, but yeah, Asuka, obviously the right call in that one, and Asuka versus Bianca is going to be something that I'm actually looking forward to at WrestleMania. Um, and it's not even something where I really have a side in the in the match. I think I'm going to pick Asuka when the predictions come, just because she's going to want the revamped character, and Bianca's had it for such a long time. Yeah. Bianca's got her win at WrestleMania, Asuka hasn't. Um, so all those things are in favor of Asuka winning it, but I'm not going to come on here and be like, oh, that was the wrong call. Bianca should have won, or Bianca should have uh, lost. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's going to be like an actual match that I'm looking forward to seeing just the match and not worried about the outcome type deal and if they got it right. So well, people don't people don't really think about this part of it either, but Asuka's over 40. Like, you don't, you don't realize it looking at her because she paints her face, and then even when she's not got her face painted, she doesn't look old. Like, she doesn't look older at all. Can't tell in the ring either, because she's still running circles around your whole rockin' roster, so... Yeah, but she's literally one year younger than Beth Phoenix, and people don't realize that. And Beth Phoenix has been retired for years. So, it's it's a, it's an interesting thing when you think about it from that perspective, because she's almost like the, the AJ Styles of the women's division, in the sense that it doesn't seem like age is slowing her down in any significant way. Like, she just adjusts her style, or she, you know, changes her, her character up a little bit, and still can pull off, like, great matches, so... I don't know if WWE is going to be considering that though. Are they going to be like, uh, you know, you're a little bit older, you're on, you're on the twilight of your career, or do they see her as somebody that's still got another five, six years left, like they also might with like an AJ Styles? Um, but she would be like pretty much the oldest woman on the roster to still be in the top spot, if that makes sense. Um, and I don't, I don't know how they're viewing that. So I don't, I don't know if they do have her go over Bianca, but I think they should. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, next up on the list, the worst match of the night. Bobby Lashley defeated Brock Lesnar by DQ in a singles match in 4 minutes and 45 seconds. And you had a lot of issues with the way this, this match was presented to everybody. Yeah, I was, I was texting throughout it. I didn't like it because you've got two guys that are NCAA like national champions, like huge collegiate wrestling standouts. That's their whole background. That's where they came from. Like That's what they were known for before they ever got into this industry at all. And instead of doing like a really cool sequence of them starting off that match and having like a chain wrestling thing for three or four minutes, which would be cool as fuck, you immediately go into like, oh, we're hitting spears, we're hitting finishers, we're escaping our other finishers, we're doing more finishers. It's finisher spam bullshit. Like every block Brock Lesnar match ends up being, instead of doing something actually like interesting and innovative and that calls on both of their backgrounds and both of their characters and like really simulates what this is supposed to be about, which is like, two big fucking dudes battling for supremacy and i feel like an amateur wrestling thing where they're like grappling with each other and like trying to fucking get one up on each other and overpower the other one that makes way more sense than let me hit a spear let me hit a spear hit an f5 hold a fucking full nelson do another spear like that shit sucks i hate it it you wasn't think, uh, it wasn't interesting do you ever notice that brock lesnar when he has these matches against guys it's always the big guys that he has the the spam finishers with and then the smaller guys who he doesn't want to take their finishers he's actually wrestles with them so like the cm punk the aj styles the finn balors he actually wrestles with them because he doesn't want to take their fucking finishers and do all their moves because he doesn't want to take that shit because he's not used to it but then if it go against a goldberg or undertaker or a fucking lashley it's finisher spam fest you know i one of the matches that i always go back to with lesnar is the the uh daniel bryant match because that was a really fucking good match. You have him just dominating Brian at the start. 
Ryan ends up getting one up on him and then it's like stomping his face in with the stomps and stuff, leaves a fucking shoe print on his face, like legitimately looks like he's a, he's about to maybe win. Um, I want to say that was Survivor Series or something because I remember both of them were champions at the time. But like, that was a really good match with a smaller dude. He can clearly wrestle a long match. He can clearly lay out a good match where someone else can lay one out for him and have him follow it. So I don't know why he does this shit. It's, it's not interesting. It's not good. The... Oh, I'm about to lose, so I just instinctively dick kick the dude and then get mad about it afterward and tear everything up so I still look strong. This shit sucks. I hate it. He can we know for a fact that he can do so much better than this. But at the end of the day, if I'm Brock Lesnar and I get paid the same money either way, and I don't really care that much about like having great matches, maybe I do this too. So I, it's not like I fault him personally. I fault whoever allows it to be booked this way. Because they the, know they can the do cool punk- shit. The Daniel, I think, I think I like the Danielson match a little bit more, but I think the Punk one is underrated too because this is when Paul turned on Punk and Punk went back face after his long uh, reign as champ, and Lesnar he went against Lesnar or whatever because Paul went back with Lesnar, and then Punk had like the Wolverine chops and he was like supposed to be Wolverine where he wasn't gonna give up and he kept fucking going after Lesnar no matter what, and Lesnar's basically fucking, like, Apocalypse Thanos, you know, something like that, and fucking just destroying him and shit, and that match was really fucking well done story-wise as well, but yeah, it seems like the smaller guys he does really good against. I think it would have been hilarious if Lashley just started out the match and got on all fours and said, let's go, motherfucker. Like, like, come take me and see if you can actually fucking out-wrestle me. I don't know if Lashley has that much confidence in himself. I think he does, but it would have been fucking, I think that would have been great just to see, even if it wasn't scheduled. Or planned just to fuck with Lesnar, just to see if he would do it or see yeah. what his reaction would be. Or it's either gonna be okay, I'm gonna do it, or one, I'm gonna just laugh at you and stand in this corner until you get up because I'm not doing it. Or two, you're about to piss me off because you're trying to make me look like a little bitch, and I'm gonna kick you in the fucking ribs as hard as I can, or you're in the face. Uh, do like Braun Strowman, give you the two piece combo, slow the <laughs> fuck down. You know, something like that. I've been fucking hilarious. <laughs> it reminds me of um, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, back when Luke Harper was in the Rumble with Chad Gable. They were doing background spots. They're just supposed to be like punching, whatever. And Brody decides that he's going to shoot for a fucking single leg takedown on Chad Gable just to see if he can. And Chad Gable just fucking sidesteps and puts him down on the mat. He's like, I got to go now. And he walks over and does a German suplex spot that he was supposed to do on somebody else while Harper's just sitting on the fucking ground like, what the fuck just happened? You can see video of it. They, they wasn't focused on, but he talked about it on Twitter later. It was the funniest fucking thing to go back and watch because Chad Gable just does not give a fuck. Just done with him immediately so yeah I, th- I think that would have been interesting to see what would happen if he had done something like that but i d- i get so bored of this shit man it you could do so much cooler stuff with both these guys especially against each other and they just went for the easy boring shit i hate it now i don't know if that's also in due to part because you know bray wyatt had challenged the winner on smackdown is he going to come in and go against Lashley or Lesnar or a triple threat. We don't really know because Brock well, only won by DQ, so it's not like he really won. Or uh, Lashley really won because Brock lost by DQ, I should say. And then maybe maybe they know that the Montreal crowd was not going to like it either. So if that was the plan, they decided to keep it short and sweet and get the fuck out of there and give more time to the other four matches that were actually based off a work rate to an extent. But they literally could have done like a an interesting like no no no, i completely agree with that but when you look at the other four matches on the card and how much time they got is what i'm saying it's like eh, do we want to go that route at an elimination (laughs) chamber when you already got all this other stuff on there okay cut the fucking six minutes of standing there out of the the end of the last match 
No, I, I completely agree with everything you're saying. It's just I don't think that's how they were viewing it. And, of course, like if Lesnar is going to do something like that, it's going to be at SummerSlam or WrestleMania, not Elimination Chamber. So, no, I agree with you. They, I feel like they should have went that way, too. Because, one, it would have been something different, and everybody would have been talking about it today. Yeah. Um, but it didn't I mean, people still talk now. about... No, goddamn, no one's talking about Lesnar versus Lashley today. People still talk about Kane and Big Show having that match that was, like, just nothing but chain wrestling for the first few minutes. Because it was so weird and so unusual. But if you have two guys that actually do it, and do it on, like, a pay-per-view as part of their, like, head-to-head big fucking bulls butting horn shit... Like, I, I just feel like it would have come off really cool and it was a total missed opportunity. All right, so how do you think they should... What, what should Lesnar, Lashley, and Bray Wyatt be doing going into WrestleMania? I don't think Lashley needs to be involved at all anymore. I think Lashley can literally just say, look, I've beaten you before. I threw you out at the fucking Rumble and you knew I had you at the end and you had no way to get out except for to cheat and get disqualified. I don't have yeah, anything so to do just with you anymore. I've already proven I'm better. I don't know. Because Bray Wyatt know. said he wanted the winner, and technically Lashley is the one that won. Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's that's probably what it is. But maybe Lashley comes out, cuts that promo, says he's done with Lesnar, he's proven his point, and then you have Wyatt come out. I mean, that makes sense. I thought with a four-minute and 45-second match, they missed a real opportunity to have Bray Wyatt come back in front of the Canadian audience again, who hasn't seen him in forever, and at least have him come out to the stage afterwards, after Lashley won. Like, I would have preferred that over the Brock Lesnar having to melt down and destroying referees and all this shit and stuff like that. Maybe have Lashley and Lesnar tag team against Uncle Howdy. <laughs> yeah, but on SmackDown, uh, Wyatt and Howdy were tag teaming on uh, Hit Row, though. So like now, now they're now they get along. I don't understand. It, this shit doesn't make any sense. But it'll be interesting to see where they go with those three going into WrestleMania. Uh, next up, we had a 13 minute and 50 uh, second match between Edge and Beth Phoenix, where they defeated Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley in a mixed tag team match. What did you think of this match? Uh, I personally thought, it felt from what I from what I saw, if Beth Phoenix wanted to be full time again, and we just mentioned her age and how she's um, a year older, you said than Oscar, right? Older than Oscar. Um, she could, if she wanted to, if she wasn't a stay at home mom and all that stuff, like she could legit be a full time wrestler again. Like she was doing yeah. that good. I agree. Um, yeah, I think she's a. I think she looked really good in it. Uh, I did like the. The Nakano tribute face paint, that was pretty cool. Um, we kind of, we did talk about how this match could play out, and then, you know, Edge going over Finn Balor and all that stuff on the prediction show. I just, I thought that you save something like this for like a WrestleMania moment to give Edge and Beth their, their big win or whatever, and then you don't have Ripley going into something like WrestleMania with the loss, but I guess they protected her as best they could. Um, well, well, the other thing we got we didn't talk about on the show when we, when I discussed, hey, Edge is going to go over Balor here because it helps Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. It also helps the fact that he hasn't wrestled in Montreal in 17 years. So yeah. that was another thing that I didn't think about until they had mentioned it live, and I was like, oh, well, well, now it definitely makes sense why they had it here instead of like a WrestleMania type deal. Yeah, I I liked the match. Um, I do have the same problem with every Rhea Ripley match where he's like super fucking distracting to the point where it's like sometimes hard to pay attention. And I don't, I don't make that comment about a lot of people or a lot of wrestlers or whatever, but like it's, it's hard sometimes. Um, but they wrestled a really good match. I think that Finn Balor, he seems lost on the card right now to me. I don't know what you do with him after this. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling the prison Mike Deathstroke Finn Balor 
This he's shit like, is weird. He's the it's leader so of a faction that doesn't win anything except for Rhea. The leader of a faction that's not supposed to have a leader. That was their whole yeah. fucking reason for kicking Edge out. Remember? Yeah. And he's clearly the leader, but he's losing every fucking thing. It's so stupid. I think Rhea's the leader. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what they do from here. I think um, Edge at the press conference obviously apparently challenged uh, Austin Theory for Theory, yeah. the U.S. title. Beth Phoenix probably not going to do anything going forward. Judgment Day, I mean, if Edge is challenging for the U.S. title, then I don't think Balor's got anything to do with any. I don't know what you do with him, man. But he's another one of those guys, too. Like, you, he's deceptively old. He's also 41. Um, doesn't look it at all. Doesn't look a day over fucking, like, 33. But he's also sort of in that point in his career where he's got he's to kind of be like, okay, like, what am I doing from here, too? Like, how does the... The twilight of my career play out because he's got you know well, see, four the five rumor, years. The rumor that I read about Balor going into WrestleMania was that him and Edge were going to have a one-on-one match for the last time, and it was going to be Brood Edge versus Demon Finn Balor. Okay, why aren't you the Demon all the time if that's what you win as? That's a great question. Everybody, I was expecting him to be Demon Finn Balor against Lesnar, and this motherfucker came out without it, and I was like, well, you lost. Like, come on, man. Yeah. At least, they, at least it would have made me think that you had a sh- had a fucking shot. If yeah. he came out as Demon Finn Balor. Yeah, no, I agree with that, too. That's so dumb to me. But I do not like this stable at all. The best part about the stable is Rhea Ripley is able to use the stable as a catapult to get more dubs and get back in the limelight. It hasn't done any favors for anybody else. Um, I can't sit here and say that Dominic hasn't gotten better on the mic. He's just still not good. And I think his character is stupid. But I'm not going to sit I here love, and say that he's still... I love his character. His character's funny as fuck. It's well. so dumb. And the... And the, the best, I, I guess the funniest part about it is when Corey Graves and others act like he really is hardcore now because he yeah. went to prison for five days or whatever. Like, oh my yeah. God, it's so funny. But it's no, it's still, it's still corny as hell overall. And it's like, I still want to see him get his ass beat. And he's not really, he's still not that good in the ring type deal. And it's clearly they're building up to Ray versus Dominic at Mania. My thing is like, it's corny as hell. It's really fucking goofy. But at least it's something. Like, it's something that he can, like, sink his teeth into, work with, like, try to grow from. He's clearly, like, visibly gotten better on the mic a lot since he started from having this to do. Like, I, you know what, I I don't hate it, man. I, I'm, I used to fucking hate every time he was on the television screen, and now it's just like I only hate it, like, 30% of the time. So, good for him. Um, I, I don't mind any of it. And uh, the fuck you, Dominic, chance were really funny to me, actually. All right, let's move oh. on to... Austin Theory, who might be getting his open challenge answered by Edge um, tomorrow night on Raw. Uh, He defeated Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, Montez Ford, and Seth freaking Rollins in the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE US Championship in 31 minutes and 30 seconds. Obviously, a lot of people are talking about Logan Paul and everything, and of course, Triple H at the press conference decided to think he said that everybody, he said Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, Logan Paul, the referee, the Sami Zayn's wife, everybody had a really, did a really good job in the Elimination Chamber Men's US Championship match, but he omitted Montez Ford, and that really annoyed me. I went straight to social media as soon as he said it, and of course it blew up, because everybody was like, damn, I thought I was the only one that didn't hear it. On Black History Month, by the way. In Black History Month, you omitted Montez Ford, who was the MVP of the match. Yeah. If you take out MVP, that match is garbaggio. Um, 
And of course, of course, all he's focused on is, oh, Logan Paul did such a great job because he came in and did two moves, and one of them was Adam Page's, and one of them was Seth Rollins' uh, move. Like, like, well, come on, man. So, yeah, he went on social media and also thanked Montez Ford, but too little too late by that point. I, like, no. Montez Ford is who you start out with in that match, saying, saying that, hey, he came off as a big star in that match. Yeah, he, he did. Um, and... It's funny because you've got a guy who's got two of the five eliminations in the match and then forget to mention him, kind of weird. You've got a guy who had probably the most memorable spots in the match, except for maybe the the Gargano-Rollins hurricane run off the top of the pot or whatever. Other than that, every memorable spot either involved Ford or was Ford. <laughs> like, it, like, I don't, yeah, it, it was very... And then, and then Triple H, when, he does, when he's done these last two press conferences, he comes out with this paper, like, clearly he's been taking notes so he can thank the right people, and you still forgot him. Come on. Yeah. How was his name not written down on the paper, dude? Not everybody is uh, 2002, 2003 Booker T and you in a fucking feud, bro. Like, come on. You need to start giving credit where it's due. Come on, man. Come on. Stop being racist, dude. Like, come so... on, that's bullshit. I think I picked Bronson Reed to win this, and you picked Theory. Um, they did. They did book Bronson Reed pretty strong. Uh, it took what four finishers to, to get him pinned and out. I, I still like feel they like booked everybody pretty strong, considering that everybody was in the match before anybody got eliminated too. That helped. Yeah, well, pretty... Bronson Reed was the first one eliminated, but they couldn't eliminate him until everybody was in the match to do all yeah. those finishers. Priest wasn't booked super strong. He was there. I don't remember him having like huge spots except for throwing around Johnny a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I it, it's clear that they're trying to do something with him, but I guess the U.S. title isn't it. Um, and they were really putting him over big on commentary. They gave, they gave him a couple of really cool spots, too, like carrying around two people at once and doing the fallaway slam and all that stuff. They clearly see something in him, but I'm not sure yeah, what Yeah, he did they... the raise his edge, too. Priest? Yeah, he does the raise yeah, his I'm... edge now. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about Reed, though. So Reed had oh, the spot my bad, where he my bad. Okay, yeah. had the two people on his shoulders was stomping around with him and did the fucking fall away slam. The old Ryback spot on jobbers, but on actual wrestlers. Um, so they clearly see something in him. They want to do something with him. It wasn't the U.S. title, I guess, but um, the way they were putting him over on commentary and stuff, I'd be surprised if they don't have something for him going forward. I And again, one of the whole reasons I ended up picking him was because they talked him out of New Japan where he had just like beating Okada in the G1 and was doing all this stuff and clearly being taken pretty seriously over there as Jonah. Um, so whatever they told him they were going to do with him, it's got to be something, right? They, they're not just going to have him middling on the low end of the card forever. So I don't know what they do with him, but um, I am glad that they presented him like, like a serious threat, like a, a big, strong man. It wasn't like the Otis spot. It was like a legitimate like threat. It wasn't just like, I'm strong, but I'm still a goofy fucking comic character. Thing today. It was like, I'm strong and I can hurt you. Um... Well, yeah. I feel like they he came off that as that anyway when they all had to do their move and team up on him anyway. They they yeah. viewed him as a serious threat. That's why they're like, okay, everybody's in here. Let's get this motherfucker out first. Yeah. Not the bullshit like they do in the Royal Rumble where they talk about it and somebody turns on somebody and then the big dude's still in there and it's fucking stupid. Um, but anyway, uh, Mark Gano gets like no reaction. Did you notice this? Yeah, no, no. I mean, why would he? Anyway, so he's not going to get any reaction on the show. Anyway, so Seth Rollins and Logan Paul on a scale of 1 to 10. How hyped are we for that? Do you feel like they're wasting a WrestleMania year with Rollins uh, here going yeah. against Logan Paul? Zero hype. Don't give a fuck. Regardless of who wins, either Seth Rollins wins because he's supposed to or Logan Paul wins because he's the celebrity and makes Rollins look bad. 
waste of a fucking year for WrestleMania for Seth Rollins. This is like one of the best wrestlers that you have on your roster. And you're putting him in these goddamn celebrity matches. And I don't care if Logan Paul's like, I love wrestling. I want to come do wrestling. He's never going to be full-time. He's always going to be pulled in for these pay-per-view spots. He's not going to wrestle a fucking match on SmackDown. Why are we wasting spots on... Why are we wasting Seth Rollins spots? That's a real question. If you wanted to do this match, if you wanted to set it up with like... Even like Edge or something, I would be more okay with this, right? But Seth Rollins is still young. Still still relatively young. Austin Theory acts like he's fucking old. But <laughs> still relatively young. Um, still one of the top guys, if not the top guy in the ring that you have on this roster. And you're putting him in this like stupid shit that nobody cares about. Like, the idea of it obviously is like, oh, Seth Rollins is a big name and Logan Paul's a big name in the mainstream and maybe it'll get more eyes if we put them together. The people that are going to watch for Logan Paul will watch for Logan Paul regardless of who he's against. So stop wasting Seth Rollins' fucking time. I don't like this. I think it's a it's a bad idea. It's a waste of it's a waste of Rollins as a as a member of the roster when you could be doing something so much cooler with him on WrestleMania. All right, and then moving on to the final match on the card, Roman Reigns defeated Sami Zayn by pinfall, 32 minutes and 20 seconds. Even though we take off the first six because they were just yeah. standing in the ring talking or looking at each other from across the ring. Um, so he retains the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, thoughts on the match before we get to the post-match? Not crazy about it. A little bit overbooked, obviously. Two ref bumps is overbooked. Pretty predictable as Roman Reigns matches go. I don't think anybody went into this match thinking that it was going to go any different. Not even talking about the outcome, just like the actual wrestling. I don't think anybody went into this match thinking that it wasn't going to be exactly what it was. Which kind of sucks. Um, you've got the you've got the Sammy, like it's kind of getting the upper hand, but it's never believable that at any point that he's going to win. Um, you do the the visual win with the ref bump where he gets like a ten count pin. Um, you do a, a second ref bump after that where then you you kind of tell some more of the Jey Uso story or whatever. Like the match itself was just a match. I think that's the problem with it. Like you go into it the story overshadows the match and that's not a bad thing in the sense that like it's great that you guys are telling such a compelling story but it's a bad thing in the sense that you don't really care about what's happening in the match all you care about is the outcome because the outcome determines where the story is going from here as far as like what the WrestleMania match is going to be what the Kevin Owens situation is like what the Jey Uso situation is how fucked up is the bloodline you're telling all this stuff, but you're not telling it in the match itself. You kind of are with the ref bump spot, but not really. It's not in the wrestling. And um, the match that I always go back to with stuff like this, where you have like a really compelling emotional narrative that is being told through the match, is Young Bucks versus Adam Page and Omega at Revolution. That was a match where it had years of story buildup, like uh, a really compelling narrative going into it, where you do care about the outcome. You do want to see what happens between all four of these people. You do, like, that little tease at the end where it looks like Hangman might fucking buckshot Lariat. Like, there's there's a lot going on in the match, but it's told in the match. And in this match, it seems like the only part of the story they were able to tell outside of the ref bump stuff was that we really don't like each other. And I don't think that that's... I don't think that makes a compelling match. I don't think that they worked it into the booking enough 
Um, there were a couple spots like, you know, Sammy's like getting really fired up and passionate and doing his beatdown stuff and goes outside and kisses his wife and all that stuff. And that's, that's fine. Um, I thought that was cool. Like shows a little bit of his character or whatever. There just wasn't enough of it. And it wasn't like when Reigns was on top, it didn't feel like brutal enough. Um, the wrestling just didn't seem to match the story. And it wasn't, um, it was too predictable. Like if you told me to write how the match was going to go, the only difference I think in, in how I would have written what was going to happen versus what did happen. Like if, if I had to make a guess as to what like, because obviously I picked Sami Zayn by DQ as my prediction pick. I didn't really think it was going to happen. I just thought it would be interesting. If I had to write how I thought the match was going to go, it would have been one for one the same through the whole fucking match, except for I probably would have only written in one ref bump instead of two. I think I even said on a prediction show, they're going to do something like give him a visual win where, you know, he gets a free count, but the ref's not up or whatever. That's exactly what they did. Um, every story beat of the match was the exact same as I expected to be, except for there being two bumps instead of one. That's it. And I don't, I don't think that makes a good match. I don't think that makes a compelling match. I don't think that makes an interesting match. And the match overall wasn't that interesting. The story was interesting, but the match wasn't. Yeah, just because and, it was a long match doesn't mean it's a good match. Um, right. So here's the other thing about it is, where was Solo Sokoa, right? Yeah, so true. That was a big fucking omission. Like, where the hell was he at? And you also had um, the fact that while the match is going on, like you said, the the story of the match, while it's when, when the bell rings, the story of the match is, hey, I'm in my hometown, and I got all these people behind me, and I got a shot. And then it was like they kind of paused the actual outside Bloodline storyline while that's going on. And then as soon as the match finally ends, that's when we go back to the Bloodline storyline. Yeah. With everybody coming in, the Jimmy, Jimmy Uso, the Jay Uso, um, Owens coming out. That's that was, and that's really just making your point for you, honestly, with the Revolution uh, comparison. Right. Whereas in the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and Adam Page match, you didn't have to pause it to see what happened because... It directly was the, the story is in the, the story. fucking match. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. So the other thing I didn't like about this match, and like I said, the, the match wasn't awful. It's just not oh, great not to what, like if it was if it was just that match, and there was no bloodline storyline, and it was always built on, hey, I'm from Montreal and I got a shot, then that match would have been all right, honestly. Yeah. Um, but with all the other attachments and the long buildup and all the emotions involved, it kind of was a letdown. The other thing I didn't like was after the match when Kevin Owens finally fucking came out. Mm. Finally came out. That was super fucking annoying to me personally. Because you had your friend in here getting fucked up by three different dudes throughout this match with the ref bumps. Well, not three, but two. two and then we'll, we'll count Jay as a distraction. So we'll Paul Heyman beating on... Yeah, well, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, so you had that going on, and where were you at? You're going to wait till he loses, then gets beat down some more after the match, then your music is going to play, and you come out, and I'm sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me? Where the fuck were you at, dude? And then, okay, I'll give you a pass because you're kind of weary about Sami Zayn, but you clearly see him getting his ass kicked, and the whole reason that he's getting his ass kicked like he is by Roman is because he wouldn't do the job on you. So yeah. you should already be like, okay, I at least owe him one, right? You come out yeah. late as fuck, you move out of the way so he can halluva kick Roman, and you go outside and pop up powerbomb Jimmy through the table on the announce table or whatever. And there's no connection between Owens and Sammy after the fact in front of that Montreal crowd. No hug, no handshake, no fist bump, 
I thought that was a huge missed opportunity in front of that crowd in that moment um, between Owens and Sammy, especially if you're on the road to Owens and Sammy against the Usos at WrestleMania. It, just, it seemed like they were trying to drag the story out for the next however long they need to do it, two months, month and a half, whatever it ends up being. And uh, yeah, I mean, they could have done something. It didn't have to be like the full fucking Golden Lovers re-embrace confetti shit. They didn't have to do all that. It literally just could have been a fist bump, like you said. Um, and I, I don't know. Um, it could have been the same fist bump that him and Jey Uso gave each other on SmackDown. Could have just been that fucking the, like the forearm fist bump thing that he did with Jey Uso on SmackDown with him and Owens. Because I know they still have to they still have to tell the story of Jay now getting speared by Sammy, which is gonna suck. This story is gonna suck no, because I agree with that. there's no way to tell this story in a way that makes sense. Because of why Jay should be mad at Sammy, right? Yeah, Jay's exactly. gonna be mad at Sammy because Reigns pulled him into a spear or moved out of the way of a spear or whatever the fuck. I don't remember the exact specifics, but like if you go back and watch it, it's very obvious to anyone that Sammy's not hitting you on purpose. So you're gonna be mad about that? Like, if that's the story they're telling out of this, it's fucking stupid. Yeah, I agree. And I think right, you so... said you had said before too, like. They've already set the precedent in storyline that Jay knows how to go back and look at old footage <laughs> with the trial thing, right? Yeah. So how yeah. do you tell the story that he doesn't yeah, know how so to go how, back and how look at footage? How am I supposed to believe that Jay Uso is dumb enough yeah. uh, to not go look at the footage from the pay-per-view that just happened so he can see what the hell just happened? Why did Sammy hit me? But hit me he, was, he was so no, in-depth and thorough to pull up fucking five different <laughs> clips to prove that Sami Zayn deserved to still be in the bloodline. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what they're doing with this or why. Now, hopefully... They don't sell that as like a, oh, I'm mad at you now. It's just like a little bit of like tension. They're still relatively cool. But then they've got to do something else with it out of that. I don't know. But that better not be the reason for the the split. Because if it is, that's the dumbest shit. And you can't tell this story as Jay and Jimmy are still super cool on the same page with Roman. Because before that happened, Roman slaps the shit out of Jay twice. And Jay doesn't hit Sammy with the chair like, like Roman's trying to get him to. So, the whole thing, you can't tell this story and act like the bloodline is fine. You can't reasonably, logically tell the story and act like Jay should be super fucking mad at Sammy. So, I don't know what they do out of this, but hopefully they're, they're not so lazy that they're going to be like, oh, you hit me when I was trying to help you, bro. Like, we're not cool now. That's the dumbest fucking thing possible. Is it possible that we get, out, we get Sammy and Owens versus the Usos, they win the titles, and it gets to the point where it's uh, Roman, Jimmy... And Solo versus Jay, Sammy, and Owens. <laughs> Maybe. At a pay-per-view. And Maybe. then we get back into main event Jay going against Roman. Oh. Not for the titles, because we we both think Cody's winning the titles at Mania, obviously. But just to put over Jay as a single star on his way out to not be in full-time anymore. Yeah, on Roman's way out, you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they could do that. I think the Jimmy Jay story is going to be interesting because Jimmy's always been pretty much in lockstep with Reigns, whereas Jay isn't. The Solo Sokoa thing, I think we mentioned this last week, but they don't really touch on this a lot on television, but Solo was actually their brother. Yeah, so they could easily just plug Jimmy and Solo as the new Usos yeah. and have Jay go off and be the new singles guy Yeah. after um, being the new tribal chief because he defeated Roman. But the whole thing where it's like, oh yeah, Solo was closer to Reigns than the other two. Like, really? He's, he's literally their fucking little brother. Another That's... reason why it was very weird that he wasn't out there 
yeah. at Elimination Chamber. Like, I thought that was a really weird omission that nobody was talking about. Like, why wasn't Cole and Corey Graves and all these people talking about why the fuck was Solo not out there? Part of it, too, might just be that they didn't, like, WWE didn't want to have him flown out, pay for all that shit, whatever, just to have him do a spot where he's not really needed to tell that story, I guess. Because it gets convoluted at the point where you have Solo out there not doing anything, you know what I mean? Um, Because it's not like he's going to beat up Jay. And it's not like, I mean, you could have him come out with Jimmy and help Jimmy beat up Sammy, I guess. But it doesn't really add well, it. Well, they could have had a nice spot because usually he comes out with them with Paul, too. So it could have had a nice spot where he got involved in the match and he got speared and Sammy moved out of the way and Roman speared Solo and even had more tension within the group type deal. Yeah. Like Solo's hold, holding him or something and Sammy gets out and Roman spears him while the ref is down type deal. Yeah. And then people really would That would have been a crazy false finish, right? That would have been fucking nuts. Mm-hmm. So, like, you do that and then Roman's in the corner, like, looking at Solo because he just got speared out of the ring. And then up. that's when he turns around and gets Haluva kicked, and people oh, think that it. fucking Roman and Roman's about to lose. The ref gets in there, fucking back up to his feet or whatever, does the pinfall at two point nine 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 or whatever. I felt like it was definitely more interesting booking they could have done in this match than they did. I didn't hate the match though. I don't want it to come off like I thought it was a bad match. I just thought that the match was too separate from the story until. Well, okay, so what we're saying box. is we didn't like the match. With the with the story surrounding the match, but in a vacuum, if you take out the story the match around it, because they didn't really fuck with the story inside that right. match, the match itself is fine. It's just you wanted to be connected to the actual fucking long ass story that was built up to that match to begin yeah. with. The whole reason that we were excited about the match to begin with, then you completely ignored all that until the very end of the match. It didn't make any sense. Where they really booked themselves into a corner with that, I feel like, was having Reigns tell the Usos not to come to Montreal. I don't know what the fuck my voice just right <laughs> tell him not to come to Montreal um, because if they had come out with him at ringside for the entire match there's a lot more you can do with like facial expressions like fucking like uh, points where Jay could have interfered but doesn't like there's a lot of stuff you can do with that um, and tell that same story throughout the match but they just don't do it or all. they could have had it where he said yeah y'all coming back y'all gonna come out with me and make sure nobody's fucking around make sure Owens doesn't come back you know actually mention it mm-hmm. and then only have Solo and Jimmy come out with him with Paul and then they keep fucking around and every time Sammy's got the upper hand they're fucking with a ref or something he's getting punched and then Jimmy or Jay comes through the audience like he did on Smackdown to help out mm-hmm. Jimmy with the tag team match Everybody goes, loses their fucking mind, and he's standing in fucking Sammy's corner. Doesn't really help him, but now nobody's fucking with Sammy Zayn, and it's literally just rubbing for... I mean, even that little bit would have been more connecting to the story than they actually did. Or if you really wanted to throw some shit in there, when you had Reigns come out first. Reigns comes out, he can come out with Heyman and Solo and maybe Jimmy or whatever, but then just have Jay fucking come out with Sammy. That sets up the... that like gap in the bloodline way fucking better i feel like than than doing some of the other stuff that they ended up doing um but yeah there's there a lot of ways to tell this and i think they they kind of fumbled on not doing some of the more interesting ones Still overall, overall grade for elimination chamber were we giving it grade wise obviously bobby lashley match sucked the whole elimination chamber match could have just not happened um I mean, like a C plus. It wasn't bad. It it advanced some stuff. Maybe a B minus because I thought the women's elimination chamber match was pretty good. 
Um, and I did, for what it was, the the, tag, the mixed tag match was pretty good. But a, a match with, or a card with five matches, and then two of them are kind of eh. Because the men's elimination chamber match, it had cool spots, but overall, it just felt like it was pointless. So yeah, I don't. I'm, give, I'm giving it a C plus. Yeah, I'll give it a C+. I'll give it a C+. I really liked Montez Ford, the way he came off in that match. I think that was really a match to help build him up. I liked Oscar um, winning. The Roman Sami Zayn match in a vacuum was really good. Um, Oscar winning. Oscar, Oscar winning, winning obviously was a plus because we both picked her and it was really like any other option I would have been killing that match on the show today. Um, and then of course... You know <laughs> What's funny about that is Edge and Beth Phoenix, like you said, did really good. The women's elimination chamber match, if anyone but Asuka had won, I would have fucking hated it. And the elimination chamber match for the men's, if anyone but Austin Theory had won, I would have been fine with it. Dude, I was so mad because I'm sitting there like I picked Austin Theory, so obviously for the show, for this little virtual title under underneath me, mm. I have to go for this man. But he's the only one I don't want to win. Yeah, I, I mean, don't even... like Austin Theory. In the press conference after the show, he came off like a dumbass. Like he kept contradicting himself. Watch his... He's the first one that comes out there on the presser. Watch the presser. He literally says the opposite of everything he just said and completely contradicts... He contradicts himself like three or four times. He's not good on the mic still. It, it, I just don't do not like Austin Theory for other reasons outside of, you know, real life stuff that's been going on. Why isn't Ariel Hawani there to ask him to talk about? Um, He'll yeah, probably have I, him on his show soon. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I mean, Bronson Reed, I, I obviously would have been totally fine with because that's who I picked. Um, Damian Priest, it's not like I'm crazy about him, but it gives him something to do, right? It makes it makes one member of the Judgment Day get some more credibility back, makes their faction seem relevant and important. Yeah, leading Johnny up Gar to WrestleMania when Rhea gets her shot. Yeah. Right. Johnny Gargano, if he had won, like, the crowd is not reacting to Johnny right now, but I feel like they would have taken him seriously if he had won the match. And with the way that you booked the finish, anyone could have done that. Anyone could have had Logan Paul come in, fuck up Seth Rollins, and then get the pin off of it. Anyone. Montez Ford would have been a huge catapult for him and his single stuff. Rollins, as U.S. champion, never a fucking bad idea, and gives actual stakes to the to the Logan Paul match if he really still wanted to do that for some reason. No but joke, Austin no Theory, joke. Montez Ford would have been awesome against Logan Paul at WrestleMania. It would have been awesome for Montez Ford. Logan Paul is going to make a shit ton of money regardless of who he's against, because he's... Mm. You're, you've already signed him, and he's going to get the big WrestleMania check. Yeah. And you could have built this all off of the fact that Logan Paul says he's the most athletic person in WWE or whatever and all this stuff, and everybody else outside says that Montez Ford is the most athletic person. So mm -hmm. then Montez Ford could have been like, hey, I take offense to that type of deal. I'm the most athletic person. I don't give a shit who you are. And then we can prove it at WrestleMania. That would have been a nice little setup. And, and it's like, it's not the greatest premise. It's a little bit flimsy. But it doesn't matter because it's a celebrity match. The whole reason of having Logan Paul there is that you want to draw in people who give a shit about Logan yes, Paul. Yes, I don't need eight months of build-up for this. Right, exactly. It's literally Logan Paul versus whoever, and I think Montez Ford can give him just as good a match as fucking Seth Rollins can. Yeah, I agree. Hey, guys, did you like that video? If so, don't forget to subscribe to the channel. You can also catch full episodes of the MonsterCast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, and you can also catch us live every Sunday on Twitch, all links in the description below, along with some sweet merch from yours truly, the MonsterCast. Deuces.